Gator Nation and welcome into the latest edition of Locked On Gators, your team every day. I'm your host, Zach Albaverde, staff writer for the Lake City Reporter. What's up, Florida fans? Welcome into the latest edition of Locked On Gators. On today's show, we're going to preview Wednesday night's game between Florida and LSU. We'll discuss some notes on the Florida football team and the former Gators who will be competing this week at the NFL Combine. But let's start with the matchup between the Gators and the Tigers in the O-Dome after a thrilling game earlier this season in Baton Rouge. LSU pulled out an 84-82 win after the Gators stormed back in the last two minutes and Keontae Johnson had a chance at the end to tie it up and send it into overtime. And he converted a basket, but his layup was waved off after the review and the Tigers got the win. And the rematch on Wednesday night will tip off at 9 p.m. on ESPN2 in the O-Dome. The Gators come into this game 17-10, 9-5 in the SEC. LSU is 19-8, 10-4 in conference play. And the Gators will have their hands full tonight trying to defend LSU. Florida coach Mike White said that the Tigers have legitimately five scoring options that you have to account for, and it'll be a challenge for his team trying to defend all of those weapons. Five guys, I believe, um, averaging double figures. Um, last time I checked, maybe third-ranked offensive efficiency team in the country. Um, maybe top five-ish offensive rebounding rate. Uh, high-level ability to get to the foul line, convert at the foul line at a really high rate. That's a pretty good combination right there, complemented by one of the best backcourts in the country. Um, long, athletic, uh, they share it, they space you. They're really difficult to defend. Very good passing team, really, one through five as well. I mentioned LSU's 84-82 to win earlier this season, but that's just one of the last four matchups between these two teams that have came down to the wire. The Gators won at LSU last season. Then the Tigers came into the O-Dome, got the win, and Florida was able to then upset the SEC regular season champs in the SEC tournament with Andrew Nemhard's buzzer beaters. So these teams have been very evenly matched in their last four games, and I would expect nothing different on Wednesday night. Here's what Mike White had to say this week about how tight these two teams have played over the past two seasons. Man, I, I don't know. I, I, I made a bad joke in the press conference at the end of that one, that either the, just the staff familiarity. Um, but, you know, beyond that, I mean, just two good teams – it seems like the, the the few times that we've played too have been um, a little bit later in the year, you know, when um, you know a bunch is on the line and uh, for both teams and um, both teams prepare, both teams have good players, uh, both good programs, of course. It just uh, so happened that we've we've played close games, and uh, hopefully at at the end we have a chance to to get them. On Tuesday's episode, we discussed the NCAA tournament with this Florida basketball team and how Mike White had to address them with the regular season coming down to an end and the Gators fighting for a spot. And LSU is kind of in the same boat. When they beat the Gators earlier this season, that was part of a 10-game win streak. They went on to win three more after that. But then they lost to Vanderbilt. It was the Commodores' first conference win in two seasons. 
Then LSU lost in overtime at Auburn. They got a win over Missouri, but then they dropped two more at Alabama and against Kentucky. Now, they got back on track in their last game against South Carolina, but coming into this matchup against Florida, this is an important game for both teams as they try to lock up their NCAA tournament bids. Yeah, it's big. I mean, it's a big game. They're all big, though. You know, I, I, you know, I don't know that you can say that to our guys. I, I, I don't know. I mean, if we're sitting here with two more wins um, because of opportunities we didn't take advantage of last month, the month before that, the month before that, uh, would they be as big? I don't know. They're all, to me, they're all equally as big. They, they, they just are. Uh, and I'm not even there really on tomorrow's game as much as I am on today's practice and what we've got to work on today and, and rep and. Um, offensively, the, the things that we've got to have focus on, and defensively, how we're going to guard Javante Smart and Trent Watford, and you know it goes on and on. So we just we don't do a very good job of staying in the moment as it is. So I'm definitely not leaving this moment. You know, I we, we shot a couple balls the other day before the ball even hit our hands. Uh, so this group here gets ahead of itself um, consistently. Um, so I, I'm not going to add to that. We're, we're going to have a great practice today. Uh, that's what we can control. Uh, we're going to try to get the tip tomorrow, and we're going to try to get an A shot, and then we're going to try to get a stop and, and see where we're at. That, uh, that, that's enough for us right now. Mike White also discussed the turnover issues for the Gators heading into Wednesday night's matchup against LSU. Florida had 16 turnovers in their loss to Kentucky. Certainly not going to get it done against the Wildcats and not going to get it done against the Tigers either. Here's what Coach White had to say about the turnover issue this week. We played a little bit rushed. You know, it, it was, um, it got loud. They're defending at a high level. We have a couple empty possessions. And we had too much trying to do it on our own, uh, just trying to go make a play that was a little bit out of character. Again, your, your opponent often has a lot to do with that. Um, I've, I've watched so much LSU since. Honestly, I, I, I don't, I don't even five or six possessions, uh, you know, aren't, aren't popping in my head. Some, some ill-advised shots are for sure. Uh, a minute and a half into the second half, we took a crazy one. Uh, about a minute later, we took another crazy one at the top of the key. Um, and we had another three or four throughout the second half. That th Those are empty possessions. And often, just like live ball turnovers, really, against a team that that's, that's, that's that good in transition offense. And uh, was a huge key to the game. Um, and, and we continue to struggle with um, sometimes trying to get my shot, unfortunately. Uh, we, had, we had had a good four or five game stretch. We're really sharing it, really moving it. And again, it's hard to really move it against really good defenses, particularly the, the, the defenses that extend a little bit. LSU does some of it as well. Um, that said, though, it, it's, we've got to do a better job moving forward. We've got to do a better job against LSU moving the ball and taking uh, the best shot they give us, regardless of who that person is on our team. And we've got to be okay with that. When we come back from this first break, we'll discuss some notes on the Florida football team. You're listening to Locked on Gators, your team every day. Welcome back into the show. 
New Florida tight ends coach Tim Brewster made his first public comments since joining Dan Mullen's staff. He appeared on the Stadium and Gale podcast this week and had a ton of things to discuss about his new job with the Gators, namely recruiting. He is known for being an ace on the recruiting trail and was certainly the type of hire that Dan Mullen needed to make after losing a guy like Larry Scott, who's known for his recruiting prowess as well. And now Tim Brewster joins Florida staff after spending a year with Mac Brown at North Carolina and then six years with Jimbo Fisher at Florida State and Texas A&M. Prior to that, he was with Mullen at Mississippi State, and he made the decision to leave Mac Brown, a guy that he spent several years with during his coaching career, and also turned down an opportunity to return to Texas A&M so that he could reunite with Dan Mullen back in the SEC. He said on the Stadium and Gale podcast that the opportunity to come coach at Florida, a team that he feels like can compete for the national championship in 2020, was an opportunity that he couldn't pass up along with the opportunity to recruit in the state of Florida. He's landed some big-time prospects from this state over the years, namely Dalvin Cook flipping the five-star running back from Florida to Florida State, and we all know the career that he went on to have with the Seminoles. And Tim Brewster has a reputation for recruiting because of that. He was also instrumental in the recruitment of Vince Young at Texas. He helped flip quarterback Sam Howell from Florida State to North Carolina, and he landed a ton of other top recruits, during his time at FSU. And when asked about his recruiting successes and why he does so well at it, here's what Brewster had to say. My favorite word in the English language is relentless. I love the word relentless. I live my life relentless and chasing my dreams and chasing the things I want to do. I think that's how I take recruiting. I'm just absolutely relentless and trying to bring the absolute elite players first and foremost in the state of Florida, and then I'll get out across the nation and bring in some guys. Make no mistake about it. It's about the state of Florida. We've got to go head-to-head with Miami and head-to-head with Florida State and win. The best players need to find their way to Gainesville. I love the challenge of that. I love the competition of going against the top schools in the country and finding a way to make that young man come with us here at the University of Florida. And when you hear those comments from Brewster and the way that he talks about recruiting, the enthusiasm that he speaks with, and just, I think, the connection with Dan Mullen and how sold he is on what he does as a head coach, the program that he's built here at UF, it's easy to see why Brewster is so successful on the recruiting trail, why he has the reputation that he does, and why he's going to be able to bring more top players to Gainesville. And most importantly, he's going to be able to compete with Florida's SEC East rival, Georgia, who's been coming into the Sunshine State since Kirby Smart took over, landing five-star prospects. Dan Mullen and his staff definitely have to put a stop to that. And it's something that Tim Brewster addressed on the Stadium and Gill podcast. Here's what he had to say, sending some direct comments to Kirby Smart. Brewster said, Georgia is Georgia. Kirby's done a good job. But what we've got to do is we've got to put stakes in the ground. That fence has to go up. And Kirby's got to understand that the state of Georgia is the state of Georgia. Okay? And we recruit the state of Georgia. We're going to get some really good players from Georgia, but we need to make sure that he understands we're going to fight him tooth and nail for the greatest resource in the state of Florida. And that's the high school kids here. And just make sure that he understands and send that message on a daily basis that we're here and we're going to protect our own. And if you're a Gators fan, if you're a Florida recruit, Nick, 
Those are the kind of comments that you want to hear if you know the type of success that Georgia's had in the Sunshine State. Now, Damon and his staff have been able to win some recruiting battles against Georgia the past couple years, keeping Kyir Elam and Jervon Dexter away from UGA. But they have to win more of those recruiting battles moving forward. And Brewster is certainly going to help them accomplish that. So shout out to the Stadium Gale podcast for getting Brewster on. It was really great to get to hear some insight from him on what he does from a recruiting standpoint and why he made the decision to come to Florida over staying at UNC with Mac Brown or going back to Texas A&M with Jimbo Fisher. Brewster said that he's absolutely jacked to coach Florida tight end Kyle Pitts. He thinks that he has a chance to be a special player in the NFL. One thing that he wants to work on with him this season is becoming more of a complete tight end and having success in the run game. As much as he does in the pass game, he's certainly shown what he can do from a pass catching standpoint. Now he wants to develop some other parts of his game before getting him ready for the NFL. And then he also had some comments about Keon Zipper or Brewster said that he's known him since his time back at Florida State. He thinks that he's a special player and that Florida's going to be able to do some great things in a two tight end set with Zipper and Pitt. So a lot to look forward to this offseason as he joins the staff and starts working with those tight ends. And definitely a lot to look forward to as these players go through the offseason program with Nick Savage. They get to do some fun stuff. And we saw this week that the players actually had a dunk contest and some 352 products put on a show. Eastside quarterback Anthony Richardson, an early enrollee from the 2020 class, he first made rounds on Twitter with a windmill dunk with his non-dominant hand. It was pretty impressive as he jumped up and had his head right at the rim. He windmilled it with his left hand, had the crowd going crazy. And then we saw a Buholtz product, redshirt freshman wide receiver Trent Whittemore. He threw down a 360 tomahawk slam in front of all of his teammates. Fellow wide receiver Jacob Copeland posted the video on Twitter and Gator Nation went absolutely nuts. And if you didn't know, Richardson and Whittemore were both basketball stars in high school as well. Richardson did some big things for Eastside's basketball team, took them to Lakeland, and Whittemore also played for the Buholtz basketball team as a sophomore. He averaged 19.9 points per game, so both he and Richardson can get it done on the hardwood as well. Both of those guys have a lot of athleticism, and Dan Mullen is excited about what they're going to be able to do. Obviously, Richardson comes in as Florida's quarterback of the future behind Emory Jones. We'll have a chance to see him this spring for the first time, and he'll probably appear in four games during the 2000. 20 season. Definitely a fit for what Dan Mullen and Brian Johnson would like to do at the quarterback position. And then Trent Whittemore. He came in last year as one of the underrated prospects in Florida's 2019 class. And Dan Mullen has made a couple comments about the wide receiver group from that class and not a lot of expectations for those guys. But he seems to think that Whittemore and some of the other signees, Jamarcus Weston especially, are going to do some great things at Florida. Here's what he had to say on National Signing Day. I think when we evaluate, we trust our evaluation process and what we do and what we see. I think you might see that some of our wide receivers coming up this year, I'm talking about the ones that we signed last class, that everyone was like, oh, okay, all right. Well, wait and see. I'll let y'all be the judge of that afterwards. Those three young wideouts, he's also talking about Deontay Mark. So one thing we know from Whittemore is that he has ups. He showed it on that Tomahawk slam. We'll see what he can do this spring. The opportunity is going to be there at wide receiver with those four seniors 
on their way to the NFL. And when we come back from this last break, we'll discuss how those guys and some of the other Gators in the NFL Combine will be doing this week in Indianapolis. Make sure you stay tuned to Locked on Gators, your team every day. Welcome back into the show. This year's NFL Combine is underway, and there's eight former Gators who will be in Indianapolis this week. Running back LaMichael Pirine, wide receivers Tyree Cleveland, Freddie Swain, and Van Jefferson. Defensive ends Jonathan Grenard and Jabari Zuniga. Cornerback C.J. Henderson and punter Tommy Townsend. Those guys have already started arriving and going through some of their events. Pirine weighed in at 216 pounds, 208 for Tyree Cleveland. Van Jefferson at 200 pounds. Freddie Swain under 200 at 197. And Jabari Zuniga and Grenard pretty much right at the same weight. 264 for Zuniga, 263 for Grenard. The on-field workouts for Tyree Cleveland, Freddie Swain, and Van Jefferson will begin on Thursday. LaMichael P. Ryan will go through his on-field workout on Friday, along with punter Tommy Townsend. And then Saturday, you'll have Jabari Zuniga and Jonathan Grenard going through their on-field workouts followed by C.J. Henderson on Sunday. And definitely going to be a big week for Florida's junior cornerback. I think everybody's interested to see what his 40 time is going to be. He is known for his elite speed. He made some incredible plays during his career and making touchdown-saving tackles. Now, in high school, he was a 10-40 guy in the 100 meters, and he also clocked a 4-3-5 in the 40-yard dash. I think coming into this event, he's going to be around 205 pounds. He should still be able to run a sub 4-4, I think somewhere in the 4-3-7, 4-3-8 range. And if he can put up a 40 time like that, along with how he's going to test and drills, CJ Henderson is going to have a chance to lock himself up as an early round pick. And we'll see if he can get into Tim Tebow territory, who was a first round pick with the Denver Broncos, now pursuing a professional baseball career. The former Heisman Trophy winner is in his fourth season in big league camp as an outfielder with the New York Mets. And this week, he got the first big league home run under his belt. He's hitting 200 so far in his first four spring training games with the Mets. He's drawn three walks and he's struck out twice in five at-bats. But now he's got a two-run homer on Tuesday, which was his first extra base hit against big league pitching. And last season, he posted a 267 at the plate. So he's still got a chance to keep improving and get called up for his shot in the big leagues. He'll just have to keep making more plays like he did on Tuesday. And there will be no game for the Florida baseball team on Wednesday as their matchup with Stetson was canceled because of weather. Had they been able to play on Wednesday, Florida baseball coach Kevin O'Sullivan would not have been in the dugout. He was actually scheduled to miss Wednesday night's game against Stetson to attend the memorial service for his cousin, Daniel Foley, who died this past Saturday at the age of 46 after suffering from 9-11 related pancreatic cancer. So a really tough time for O'Sullivan's family right now. And Scott Carter detailed Foley's story and his connection with O'Sullivan and the Gators baseball program on a story that you can check out on FloridaGators.com. So we sent our thoughts and condolences to Foley's family, to O'Sullivan, and the Gators will be back in action on Friday at home for a three-game series against Troy. And that'll do it for the latest edition of Locked on Gators. On today's show, we previewed the matchup between Florida and LSU. We brought you some notes on the Florida football team, including the first public comments from new tight ends coach Tim Brewster. And we also discuss the Florida Gators in Indianapolis this week for the NFL Combine. On tomorrow's show, we'll recap the Gators game against the Tigers. Make sure you stay tuned to Locked on Gators, your team every day.